Hello and welcome to the Neil and Amy podcast. This series of episodes is called Wayfinder. Why? Because this world, the people in it and the pressures of it can jack you up and they can cause you to lose your way. Next thing you know, you're overweight, unmotivated, frustrated with the relationships around you. Your life shattered in pieces and you're watching episodes of Dr. Phil and Jerry Springer just to feel normal again. This show is about helping people find joy in the middle of challenges because life is too short to live miserable. Well, hello and welcome back, friends. Hello. Neil and Amy here. Uh, we are wrapping up a series called Building a House That Lasts. And you might be wondering when this is ever going to end. Or no, maybe they're not you're. Wondering that. They're like, give me more. Give me, give me, give me. I need, I need, I want, I want. <laughs> I've done that a few times. This morning. Okay. And I was like, no, baby, no, not right now. Save it for later. Uh-huh. Story of my life, folks. Story of my life. <laughs> Sometimes later never comes. <laughs> if tomorrow never. Who's that? Garth Brooks? Yeah, it sounded more like uh, Adam Levine. Dwight Yoakam. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well... This has been a fun uh, this has been a fun series. It really has. I mean, we've gone over memories, we've talked about things that mattered to us, things that have mattered to our family members, and I think this is going to be a fun one to look back in 10 years and re-listen. If not if it if it hasn't even helped anyone. Yeah. Just for it's been therapy. Yes. Exactly. And honestly, we've not even scratched the surface. Not even touched it. Yeah. But just kind of glancing back, if you haven't listened to the Make other Make sure you episodes, listen to them in order. No, yeah. no one listens to us when we say they're sequential. So start with the first one. And if you know how to count, you, you find the one that has the lower number and then you start working your way up. Yeah. But at the How to Build the House at Last series, because this is a very yes. specific series. Yes. But that's not what people do, because most of the time, if you're a brand new listener, you're listening to this and you're like, I'm going to see if I even like these idiots right yep. now. Mm -hmm. And it's all like, and then all of a sudden, okay, mm -hmm. maybe I'll go back. Maybe I'll listen. So wherever you're at, fine. Just listen to this. That's cool. But if you like it, then go back a little bit. Mm -hmm. Another thing that helps is if you like have uh, your radio on, if you're in the car and you like get your jams in the background. That's only like, if you've got ADD. Okay. Why, why you got to point fingers? I mean, <laughs> I don't know what kind of, I don't so know what kind of mood you're in, but Amy sometimes D. when I'm like in the mood, I, I have to have ADD, background music. ADD. Amy sometimes it's Tupac and then sometimes it showed up in a cowboy. Dang, girl. <laughs> Just depends. Hey, we're looking out over the Kern River, sitting in our restaurant, and we're actually looking at a rodeo grounds and uh, down there watching people riding bulls and punching fools. All day, baby. Yeah. It's good stuff. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. So. Bring us home, boy. <laughs> so today, we're actually wrapping this entire series up. I already said that. And yes, you did. Thank you. I wasn't sure. If we did say that. And what are we titling this today? You have any ideas? You don't have any ideas. You're like drawing a blank right now, huh? I didn't. 
I wasn't given the job of coming up with the title, so no, I do not know the title. Okay, we'll, we'll nail the title by the end of it. But this is what we do know. It's basically about brokenness. Basically. Basically. Brokenness. What do you think about brokenness, Amy? I know brokenness all day. I feel like it's attached to my hip, but not because my hip is broken. I don't know. You know that scripture in the Bible? Sometimes I think about this one when it says, now that I, now I'm drawing a blank. I don't even remember if it was Peter or Paul, but one of the P names said it feels like he was cursed with a thorn in his side. Like no matter what he did, he had this thorn in his side. Yep. I feel like... First quarter chapter 12. Thank you. I feel like that I resonate with that mm-hmm. in the area of brokenness because... Mm-hmm. What I thought would be like my life path, it, I never arrived there, nor would I want to at this point, but it all came through brokenness. Yeah. But I, I feel like I'm grateful. Yeah. I almost feel like it's a gift. Brokenness is absolutely a gift. And, and that is totally what we're going to is attempt to jam down your throat and convey. society doesn't make it seem like that they make you feel like you're behind the wheel or, or behind the what, what's or the word? get your shit together yeah. if you're not put together then you know then you every, shouldn't be talking yeah you shouldn't be the one with the microphone no shut your mouth that's not true that's absolutely not true because there's nobody actually put together there there really isn't and if you're going to build something that lasts you got to get super comfortable with brokenness Yes, because memorizing your speeches in your bathroom and having all the filters programmed on your phone for your photos does not make you not broken. Or exercising your facial expression, which is all good. Like, be a good communicator. Be a good everything. Be good at whatever you're doing, but just know that you actually really kind of suck and you're broken. I mean, it's okay. It is okay. So, that's a wrap. Just kidding. Um, I was thinking about when we would... You know, some people are only happy when they get there, mm-hmm. right? When they mm-hmm. arrive, mm-hmm. when they achieve their goals, when they put the final shingle on the house. When they cross their to-do list off. Yeah, check the box, which I'm a to-do list junkie. If yeah, you, don't you are. Know that, you and my mom. Tractionplanner.com, created by Neil mm-hmm. and Amy. Tractionplanner.com. We have I tried boxes. to get art pages put in the planner, but it didn't make the cut, guys. Yeah. I'm a creative, but I'm just created inside, like really like clean boxes. Yeah, and clean lines. Yeah. So planning is great. Checking the boxes is great. Completing the goals are great. And I love talking about it every single day. We should have things that we're working toward. But the truth is that if you're not happy in the process, then you've got a problem. You're not going to be happy when you arrive. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me. Do you remember when the kids were little and we'd be driving? Jeez, I... I still do this, actually, now actually, that I think of it. Yeah. Uh, how much longer? Oh, my gosh. We, so we took a trip in our, our um, little motorhome when we were actually living in the motorhome building a house. Mm-hmm. And it was refurbishing an old 1920s 800-square-foot house. But we were living in this motorhome. We decided to just unplug and head up to Montana, where my mom is. And we're driving up there. And within, it's like a 20-hour actual drive, but in a motorhome, way slower. Mm-hmm. And we had a puppy with us. And it was the middle of the summer, mm. and it was so blasting hot. Blasting. And we had that generator on. Mm. The 
Well, it was a C-class motorhome, so it had the air conditioner from the engine in the front of the cab. And we were still sweating bullets. Totally. And as we're driving, you know, the kids are doing whatever, playing. And every (laughs) single... Like, just Every like, 15 minutes on point. Uh, hey, Dad, uh, how, how much longer? When are we going to get there? Yeah. Ah. And they were like so anxious mm-hmm. to get there. To arrive. Because the fun is going to happen when you arrive. Like subconsciously, or not subconsciously, what's the word? Yeah, subconsciously. Um, you think that the fun begins once you get there. Yeah. That's how we're programmed. Yep. It's like we're driving to Disneyland, but the fun's not going to get there until we actually arrive at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of fun to be had between here and Disneyland. Yes. And so we knew we had 20 hours of actual road time. And within hour one, you know, Quincy is just like, Dad, when are we going to get there? When? And so I just programmed my response, no matter what, to always say 20 minutes. <laughs> and I remember her thinking the first time I said 20 minutes, she was like, yeah, no way. Yeah. We are almost there. And she just was like stoked. Yep. Until like 30 minutes. And she's like, I thought you said 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then she would say, how long is it going to be until we get there? And I would say, oh, I've had 20 minutes. Mm hmm. And we did this for hundreds of miles, mm-hmm. like a long, long ways. And it really worked, honestly, when you think about it, until she realized that I'm never going to know exactly when I'm going to get well, there. Well, it worked because she stopped asking at some point. And then when she would ask and I would tell her, she would be like, she would then laugh and just go, okay, I guess we're just on the yeah. road. It, I'm just along for the ride, which looking back, don't you wish that that stuff was like programmed in you like at a young age because I feel like we would enjoy mm-hmm. looking back now. There's so many things that we could have had more fun if that's the right terminology or joy. J- yeah. Because we weren't thinking like, Oh, we got to get there. Oh, we got to get there. So much of our life has been like, we're a horse in a shoot, like waiting for the door to open, waiting for the door to open. Yep. And, and you miss the moment. So many moments. But, I mean, not to sound like a downer, because we still have life ahead of us. Are you kidding me? And well, That's not sounding like a downer. You no, were looking I just back, though, with a little looking bit of regret. Back, huh? Yeah, because you're just like, man, I was so uptight about that. Or I really thought that, you know, if this happened, then that there was going to be more happiness on the other side. Or there's going to be more uh, peace and less anxiety but the truth of the matter is is that stuff just keeps following you and before you know it you're like a junkie for it and when you don't have that in your life you're like thinking something's wrong because you've programmed your body to just live off of adrenaline and uh the next best best thing and what's around the corner and what's around the river bend <laughs> you know on pocahontas yeah totally i mean what so like if no, I, we don't know what your circumstance actually is, but this absolutely applies no matter what, because there were times where, you know, we're, you know, all, all kinds of times, but let's say a decade ago, we're transitioning from one career to another career. Mm-hmm. And we knew the transition was going to happen, but it was just going to take months. And during the transitional time, it was, it was like almost like misery just waiting for that that last day at the job or Mm -hmm. wait, you know, there's, you're always waiting for the next thing until you're happy. And, Mm -hmm. 
And that's just not realistic because the truth is that you're a broken person. You're never going to be put together. And if you think you're put together or we think we're put together, then then we're really we're really living in like a, a fraudulent house in some sense, like a, a house of like cards or dominoes that mm-hmm. at any point anything could change. Yeah, and it sh- it'll shatter you because you have you, you put all your eggs in that basket of thinking that if this, then that. Set. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, honestly, brokenness has just been programmed into us as being like a bad thing or being like a weak thing. Yeah. And if you show your broken side, which unfortunately there are so many other people in our lives that what love to like wait until they, you show your broken side and then they want to like broadcast that. So it's, there is like a safety and not just walking around town showing all your broken pieces. But the idea that if I show this, it's bad is really where the hangup is because it's not bad. Mm -hmm. It's a part of you. It's part of your story. It's a, you know, the things that didn't go the way you wanted them to go whether it's your fault or not, it's still a part of the history of your track record. And I think if we got a little bit more comfortable, um, not necessarily sweeping those things under the rug and just absorbing them and walking through them, that there, it wouldn't be a negative uh, look back. When you look back, it's not like, Oh, I don't want to think about that. Uh, Put that away. Put that away. You could just be like, yep, that was part of the journey. And, Yep. I mean, yeah, we ran out of gas in the middle of the desert and, you know, our radiator blew out. I mean, yeah, that's what happened. Yep. Uh, but we uh, decided to play tic-tac-toe on the dirt on the side of the freeway. And, you know, I beat Caden eight to four and it was a good day. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah, you embrace what's taking place in the moment. It's about the moment. It's about being present in the moment and not being worried about what's coming or what you don't have or what people think you, about yeah. you in that yeah, because brokenness is so often, and I believe you've already said this, it's, it's so often looked as, uh, on as weakness. Mm-hmm. Brokenness is not weakness. Brokenness has to be embraced. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Back to the whole like 20 minutes, are we going to get there? In life, I think that it's kind of funny because I've been on vacation with people before where they're like, so fun to hang out with in the just like hey let's go hang out and have a good time they're like the people that you want to call on but then vacation happens and you're like taking a trip with yeah and you're like oh this is going to be so fun and then all of a sudden you start to see sometimes people are more uh excitable or like joy filled or having a good time because they've mapped out what their expectations are of like the night or whatever. But then you throw in like a week long vacation or a three day weekend and you start to see that, Oh, when when they don't have the full control of what's about to happen, you know, when you go out to dinner with someone, they know you're going to go out to dinner. You might have a couple drinks. Uh, you might, you know, listen to a band and then you're going to go home. So it's like, Oh, we're good. We're carefree. But then you start and stop. Yeah. But then you get in a car with them and you're like, all right, this is what we're going to do. And all of a sudden the plans stop working out. Right. And then you're like, Oh boy. And by the time you've gotten to your destination there, there's so much stress and anxiety that the destination isn't even fun anymore. Yeah. 
like that lady it's like that a chore happy gilmore's car when he's dropping his grandma off at the crazy bin not, yeah no not crazy bin it well, was at the it was supposed to be a retirement, the, home, yeah, retirement home but it turned up into a crazy bin yeah and she like lands on his car and she says get me out of here yeah that's what yeah. it's like when you're with mm-hmm. people who don't know how to enjoy the journey, the journey. now Mar- amy was married to one of those people oh yeah and she's only been married once and it's only been to me i know i wish i had a marriage letterman's jacket and i could put all my pins on it <laughs> okay <laughs> what would some of those pins be do you have any ideas about that <laughs> i think that i'm gonna save that for another podcast oh that would be a good one actually so you totally rocked me right there oh, i really? actually don't know where i am what am I, where was I going? It was get me out of here on a journey. Oh, yeah. you were married to somebody who... Like, it was, it was, was all about the destination. Yeah, and we got married young. I was 20, she's 18, and we, we were, you know, pregnant very, very quickly. Like two weeks after we get married, we have a baby. Mm-hmm. And now we're like, you know, there's mm-hmm. things that I want to do and things I want to accomplish and I'm super driven. So I'm not mm-hmm. going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and like... Get up in the morning, let's go, go, go. And it's like, whoa, wait a second. Can't we just enjoy some coffee? Can mm-hmm. we just chill out for a minute? Mm-hmm. Can't we? And it was no. Like, honestly, the answer was no. Mm-hmm. And that was a long time of that. And yep. then I started to recognize that, you know what? No matter what I try to do, yeah, we're going to reach in some land, you know, milestones, whatever, landmarks. But the reality was we weren't going very far, very fast. Mm-hmm. And it, when you're running a sprint, that's the way you do it. When yep. you're in a marathon, you gotta you gotta run a pace. And there that's is times last. that you have to be in a sprint in yeah, life. Absolutely. We're not saying that you shouldn't. Like there's absolute times when we're in a sprint right now, trying yep. to reopen. I was thinking this morning we have we sprint after sprint after sprint. Yet mm-hmm. the the key difference that we're talking about is enjoyment along the way. Yeah. What essence are you carrying with you while you're doing it? Because if you're gonna build a house that lasts, which is a metaphor mm-hmm. for just having a life and a legacy that your family loves, that you love, that you want to pass down from generation to generation. You want that story to be told. Mm -hmm. If you don't want your story to be, yeah, like, yeah, they pretty much blew it at everything. And, you know, no, you don't want, you want a story that's worth being told, a house that lasts, something that people are going to, your children, your grandchildren are going to go, you know what, those that were before us made a way Mm -hmm. and they didn't do it in a perfect it wasn't because the interest rates were good it wasn't (laughs) because they had um great investment strategies yeah and they're not like a it's all good trust fund baby and you know all this stuff it's like oh no they made a way while there's a freaking pandemic or you know they didn't have a bunch of cash in their bank account and you know what their health wasn't really that great it wasn't like they just had all this energy because they were you know working out every day and drinking protein shakes and but that's good too yeah i agree with that but i'm just saying like you want your family to look back and go they weren't perfect so there's hope for me that's the main thing it's like you can do this too yep brokenness is okay embrace it that's what we're trying to say. Mm-hmm. Embrace it. If you don't embrace it, you're going to be miserable mm-hmm. you, because you're always going to be broken. Yeah. It, it makes me think of that. Um, broke ain't poor. Yeah. Because there's so many negative things attached to the broke, mm-hmm. you know, not being able to do things, 
you know, what are you doing like with your life? But broke ain't poor. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can have not a lot of money in your bank account and you can be some of the wealthiest individuals known to man. Yep. And that is because of your values and your essence and um, what you're offering those that are like in your tribe and what you stand for, what, yeah, how it is, what you, you fight en- for, it, mm-hmm. how you endure opposition. Right. <laughs> oh man. Like that's, if you can endure in the face of problems, wind, challenges, storms, mm-hmm. things bursting against the house, mm-hmm. people hating on you, whatever it is, if you can keep that, that is rich. Like mm-hmm. that broke isn't poor. And that's transferable. I mean, yeah, you can transfer funds from this account to that account, but they only last for so long. And in a world of today, it's getting less and less. Everything costs a lot more than it used to. But those principles that you just said, those are transferable through generations. Yep. That's something that, you know, respect was taught to my dad through my Papa Cliff who valued taking your hat off when your attention is drawn to the flag or opening a door for a woman or, you know, like giving the coat off your back to the person who needs it. Respect at a deep, deep level was instilled into my dad who then instilled it into me who then now I'm trying to instill that into our kids. It's oh, transferable. It. Mm-hmm. it The ROI is very high on those types of things right. if it's done right. Absolutely. I was thinking about the... Um you know, so so often people are are trying to take everything they have and and use it for themselves, right? And it's it, you know it's about them. And really, what it's about is multiplying and allowing whatever gifts and talents and abilities that you've been given to be multiplied. If you've been given two right now, then we need to take that two and we need to make it more. Mm-hmm. And and it's not not just money. And you know that the shallowness is really found in people that make it about money Mm -hmm. or just like title and like, uh, I can't think of the word right now, but it's like when you have, when you can, a lot of people can fake this. It can, it's not even a real thing. Like you can fake what you, what people think you have in your bank account by what you wear, what you drive, uh, how you present yourself, but the stuff we're talking about is the stuff that comes out and comes through without all of that stuff. You know, when you walk up to a kid and a kid can, I love doing this, like introducing my kids to people. And one of the things that I taught them at a very young age, because I was taught because my dad and mom were taught, you know, goes up the chain is you shake their hand and you shake their hand with a tight grip and you look them in the eye and you say, it's nice to meet you. Or you say, how are you doing? Or you introduce yourself, whatever the greeting is, it doesn't matter. But the idea is that you're giving that person the moment that's like, I res- I'm showing respect to you just through a greeting. Right. Well, that you can't really, I mean, you can fake it, you know, just to be a shallow person, you can fake that. But people know 
when it's genuine. Yeah. You you know when someone shakes your hand and they say hi, like it's really good to meet you. You know when the person really means that and when they really don't. Right. And back to it doesn't matter about the money and it doesn't matter about the title and it doesn't matter about the fame and the fortune, all that stuff. There there really is this like thing I, I want our listeners to get because that's all like cliche. Everyone says it. Most people that say that are the people who don't have it in their bank account because they're like over right. emphasizing that it's not about the money, you know, right. whatever. But they're not doing the other stuff we're talking about either. Right. They're not doing what it takes to be truly rich. Yeah, exactly. So this time is just like a, a time for all of us just to think about what it is that we're valuing as riches. Broke ain't poor, meaning what are you valuing? What, what means the most to you? Cause you got to do a lot of work to get money in your bank account. And we all should be doing that because it takes money to make the world go round. You can't put your kids through college. You can't pay your, we're not saying that you even should. Yeah. You can't, well, you can't buy a car. You can't pay your mortgage if you don't have money. So you can't bless people and help people. Yep. If you don't have it. So there's a value in that, but it's not your end game. It's not the destination. That's part of the journey. And when you can shift that and go, oh, the making of the money, the giving of the money, the saving of the money is just a part of my journey to my destination to arrive here, which is to give my family and the, those that even aren't blood related, but are now f- what we call family, we give them this mm-hmm. And that thing is the love and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's when you actually feel rich. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can talk to anybody who has a lot of money. And if, if they were, I mean, just the people that we know that do, when they start to break down and show their brokenness to us, they don't talk like they have it all. Mm-hmm. That's not how they talk. Mm -hmm. They talk like they're still wanting or that they regret not spending time with their kids or they regret, you know, not investing in their marriage. Those are the things that come out, even with the people that have all the dollar signs in their bank account. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's good. Um, I was thinking maybe you could tell it like there was a, a moment Years ago, I, gosh, 10, 12, because it happened just after my aunt, Christy, which is my mom's sister, she had passed away, mm-hmm. and it was a sad circumstance. She was in her 50s? early 50s, mid-50s, mm-hmm. and had... Three children. Mm-hmm, and had gotten cancer, but she had also battled seriously battled with alcoholism Mm -hmm. that's really just like a coping mechanism for whatever you know she just lived out that brokenness Mm -hmm. actually and and yet she was she was a spectacular human all like we're i'm looking out over these rodeo grounds right now and sitting in this restaurant that's a 60 year old steakhouse that we now own and when i was a kid i would come in here and there was a picture of this aunt christy beautiful gal really beautiful 
fact, at one point did makeup for like Michael Jackson and was married to, um, you know, a professional singer. And then following that, you know, a, a very um, famous family. And but she had a picture from when she was in her late teens, early 20s, probably her riding a saddle bronc with a cow, like an actual thing that dudes do. Mm-hmm. Like she was doing it and and she was the rodeo princess. And, you know, she she was just a spectacular human. She was like the definition of what Craig Johnson says favor or, and actually Craig Johnson and James Ranger both say favor isn't fair. Yep. She was the definition of that. Right. Because she didn't come from a wealthy family, but she could stand in a room and she could, her presence, it, it Dazzled. it's, yeah, it, it gave that impression mm-hmm. because of who she was inside. Her essence was like so strong and what she wanted to give to the, give back to the world was so strong that people just gravitated towards it. It was like, they didn't care that she didn't have money. They didn't care that, you know, she wasn't into wearing Whatever. name brands. It, 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 you know, she didn't have, she didn't care about what car she drove. She cared about what the values that we were talking about, like what was inside, like the taking the kids down to the river and looking for crawdads or, you know, she cared about that stuff and it mattered. Um, yeah. And it, it went across many, many, like it wasn't just like one arena. It was like several different types of arena she could walk into and she would have the favor. Yeah. And she was a, she was a journey person. She was not a destination person. Mm-hmm. Now destinations are great, but the journey you should have them for sure. Otherwise yeah, I mean, you just go around the mountain. Here it, she comes. If you've purchased one of our traction planners or ever used one, we, we have, a process it's the destination roadblock and guardrails and how is it that you're going to arrive at your destination every single month like we're setting that with god health money people and mission mm-hmm. however when you get overly focused on the destination you miss the joy of the journey and mm-hmm. you don't build something that lasts you're just shortchanging everything along the way and mm-hmm. then you you have a house that's weak and not yep, stable made of sand yeah mm-hmm. but it's so funny because it's we could literally have taken this entire uh, episode and just talked about Aunt, C- Aunt Christy now that I think about it. But we, I remember as a kid, I didn't really, I didn't really like the crazy. I kind of liked the stable, just predictable. And she brought the crazy, and she loved me. Like she, she was like, in fact, I think I was like two years old. She put me on a horse, and we rode like thirty miles, just the two of us, from like one town to another town, and. She would always refer to that. She was, you know, I was the first nephew mm-hmm. and the oldest of the bunch. And, and so she, at different points, would pull into, like, our house in South Lake, and then we would, you know, be driving to Montana, which is that 1,200-mile journey because mom and grandpa moved up there, you know, when, when I was, like, seven. So she would pull up, and she would get out of either the motorhome or the pickup or whatever, and it was like, whoa. I just had a picture. Yeah. She was me and you were chubs. <laughs> you know? Yeah, a little bit. I'm not, like, I was definitely it, not as extreme as chubs. Chubs that's, is very that's literal. A overstated. But you, I just had that picture. Like, she's like, hello. 
let's get this party started. And you're like, okay, I don't, I can do it. I can do it. Baby you're steps onto me, the you're elevator. Me sound a little Baby less steps than onto the it elevator. Actually, is I think. But, no, I uh, wait. We've only been married twenty years, so you barely know me. True. <laughs> true. True. So, Aunt, Chris, I took like two trips. But you have to with e- Aunt Christy very quickly ex- long ones express what these trips included. Like yeah. you said, driving in the back of a truck with a tarp over you. Yeah. Well, so we would. Again, like Aunt Christy didn't start off with money, and it's not like she had oodles and oodles and oodles, but over time, she she was definitely like a Beverly Hills girl. Like, she was actually married to somebody who had a beautiful house in Beverly Hills, um, you know, married to another man who's was raised in Beverly Hills. So we're not talking, like, she ended up with lots mm-hmm. around her, but she never even really showed that. Mm-mm. Like, she pulled up to pick me up one time at the Creston School, And we were staying in like a a trailer that that her and Uncle Todd owned. And she pulled up and she had this ratty ass, nasty ass. Um, And I say ass, very, it was ass. A station wagon, huge station wagon. And a massive pig in the back of the station wagon that was just always chilling back there. Pigs don't, (laughs) they're not potty trained people. Like... Uh, and the, there'd be like, there'd be like, oh, like French fries from 19, you know, 87, like stuffed down in the side <laughs> pockets. And like my mom would freak out because she's a clean freak. So yeah. she would like get in and be like, what's going on? Nothing. Like throwing towels down to sit in a seat. Like it was like that. So you're talking ragtag woman who was like awesome, but crazy. And so she pulls up to the house in South Lake and we're going to take trips and basically she was just the journey person. We'd be driving and then all of a sudden she'd be like, oh, there's a creek. And oh, we're like, there's a hot spring. And in my mind, I'm like, we got it. We got to get there in like 27 hours. Yeah. And, you know, like we're, yeah. we're got to r- arrive at this destination because there's probably going to be like dinner ready or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm, that's how I was thinking as a kid to the extent where I'm like, I don't really want to go on a trip with Aunt Christy because I don't know what's going to, I don't know, mm-hmm. not know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I needed you, to know what was going to happen. You were not in control. But I also think that you I needed to know what was going to happen. You were much more about the destination. A lot because of certain things in my childhood where it was like, whoa, I thought life was like this and boom, it was like that. Yeah. So, whoa, wait a second. I need predictability here. And that's not to knock anything that happened, just happened. But like divorces and things like that happened. And so I needed stability. But I wish I would have learned very quickly then, no, nah, just embrace the journey. Mm-hmm. It would have helped our marriage. It would have. Big time. Mm-hmm. And... And so, yeah, we jump in, we stop, we are just like playing in like a, not even a creek, it's like mud. And we're just like having fun. And then we get into the car, muddy. And we found <laughs> like they always had like salamanders and like crawdads and geckos. And they had flying squirrels. They had weird stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was just like normal, totally mm-hmm. normal. So that was one trip. Another trip, Aunt Chris pulls up in her car and there's like, like two by fours in this truck that are like in the back and then a tarp draped over yeah. these two by fours with these rails. Like and a homemade camper shell. Homemade camper shell. And I'm not knocking if any, like it looks like something like driving around in like Tijuana, Mexico. Like it was, <laughs> it was rough. Right. So we like everybody piles into the cab, this double cab truck. Well, I, I like get in and then 
but it wasn't enough room. So some of the kids had to get into the back of the truck. Mm-hmm. So like under the tarp in the back of the truck, they're driving, right? They're heading. We're going 1,200 miles. But when you climb into the back of the truck, there's a goat. <laughs> there's a goat. I wish I could have been a fly on a wall and we just watched you do this. And I, it was crazy like a goat in the back of the truck so you're just sitting back there under the tarp driving down interstate 15 or whatever you're doing you're like just cruising along and it's just so funny then my uncle john is along the trip so he would just sleep in the back of the truck with the goat and then fant christie got tired they'd just switch yeah just like yeah and it was it worked awesome Mm -hmm. another time mom who again is a put together person and not that she's not broken. She is. And she's learned to embrace her brokenness, but we pull in there and this is Montana Cowboys, Roughnecks, Branding, baby, Copenhagen. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we pull in there and my Bring brother your butts drive me nuts. Yeah. Rock mountain jeans. Make me scream. So, <laughs> so I, I, pull, uh, I wasn't on this trip cause I'd already had enough. <laughs> and my brother Cody gets in, drives up there <clears> with <throat> uncle Todd, big motor home. They pull in at this point. It's a little different scenario. Um, the other trip she was bet- <laughs> like, there was a between husbands kind of a thing. And so she arrives up there and Cody gets out of the car and he's got hot pink hair. Oh, that's a big no-no in Montana country, boys. Oh, man. And mom was pissed. Lost it. Like, Cody still talks about that. Yeah. So obviously it was bad. Yeah, it came up recently. So, <laughs> but again, Aunt Chris was a journeyer. Right. She enjoyed the journey and she made the journey enjoyable. Here's the point. Cody's still talking about it. Yeah. It impacted him. Yeah. Aunt he- Chris pulling off it was probably back then Long's Drugs or whatever it was. Remember those? Yeah. Hey, let's get Thrifty. some pink dye and an ice cream cone. This will be funny. And or we're not even funny. Yeah, just she like for fun. Like yeah. who wants their hair pink? Who wants their hair orange? Let's do this, right? Yeah. They're on vacation. What should it matter? It's going to wash out. Not a big deal. Yeah. It's a big deal in McAllister, Montana. <laughs> <laughs> Mom's going to love this. You know, what's interesting, though, is she had Aunt Chris had such a good essence about her. Mm-hmm. Uncle Todd has a great essence about him, and, mm-hmm. and he gets it. It's like old souls. They, You're like, have you journeyed this before? Because mm-hmm. nothing's really getting their panties in a twist or a wad or whatever you want to call it. But I remember um, when she passed when away. When she passed away. Were we all in in their theater in their house watching that movie? I Where think were we? I think we watched it once and then Uncle Todd who's uh who's grew up producing films and around films. His mom is Debbie Reynolds, so grew up in it. He had made a presentation and I they gave me the honor of performing her her funeral service, which when I look back, I wish I I had that opportunity again. Mhm. Um, but he, pr- he produced this film of her life. It was done very well. It was. And holy smokes, I want to watch it again. I do too. Um, uh, maybe we'll find it and we'll put it on here. Maybe. Oh, Uncle that'd Todd be awesome. Let us do that. That'd be sweet. So hopefully in the future, it won't be on right away, but in the future, maybe we can update this. So where was I? Gonna there was this it? one scene. Yeah. Okay. We were, oh, it wasn't, first we, of all, it wasn't the first time we watched it. It was the second or third. 
because mm-hmm. we just watched it again when we got home because it was just like gut wrenching but heartwarming. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean it's it's a sad story because it's like one of those things where you're like, really, God, you're gonna take her of all the people on the earth, she's gonna go home. But again, we aren't God and we don't get to decide that and we don't know what we don't know. But she, in this video, it's showing Uncle Todd and her and and Brandon and James and Vanessa, your cousins, and they're wrestling on the bed, I think it was. And there's music and laughter and they're having a great time. They are. I mean, if there was an Amber filter back then, it would have been on at this moment. Which that means it would have looked cool. I think it would have just been one of those vintage moments that you would just want to recreate. And here they are laughing and you can see the youth in aunt Chris and uncle Todd and you can see the kids just, you know, loving the crazy and I remember sitting there and I was watching this and and that moment was special but all the details around what was actually going on I don't know why in like the second or the third time I was watching it caught my attention even more but I just started bawling because here it here's here's two imperfect people raising three children He's not the he's not the biological father. Right. But he's them he's as raising the yes father. exactly, and he's offering them you know love and all kinds of things. Um, but they're laying there in the bed and they're wrestling and doing what we would do with the kids if we re, you know go back a few years. But what the details of what was happening behind the scenes were incredible because what you saw in the left corner of the screen was a dresser with drawers open with clothes just like overflowing, unorganized, a crap ton of stuff sitting on top. You had over in the other right-hand corner, you had, I don't know, maybe a birdcage or something. There was something else going on that was, it was just like life I don't know how to describe it other than they weren't worried about all the details of making sure our towels are are rolled correctly and making sure our underwear is, you know, folded and put in our drawer because if something were to happen to us, we wouldn't want people to have to go through all this crap. It was like simplicity at its finest yet it was so complex at the same time because over half the world doesn't get it it was like they arrived and I'm watching this moment and I'm thinking I want to absorb this because this is what I want and if you think if if you know me you know I don't want drawers overflowing and I don't want just animals everywhere because I'm allergic to everything but what they had, I wanted because there was, it was so special. It was like, you know, F the frustrations, F the bank account, 
F the journey of running out of gas in the freaking middle of the desert. We don't care. Like, bring it on, world, because we got this. We got a, a queen-size bed, and we're wrestling, and we're having a good time, and we're probably going to make some dinner in a minute, and we don't care about the rest of it. Yeah. Not many people get that. Mm-mm. Yep. All the stuff that was happening around them was not driving them crazy. They were just able to embrace it. Like they were able, earlier I wrote just a, a single line, embrace the brokenness, and mm-hmm. it changed the, you know, auto corrected on my phone. It auto corrected the word brokenness to broken mess. And it just like rocked me because so often we just want to put everything together. Mm-hmm. We want the towels rolled tight, the bed sheets, you know. Yep tight and pressed, ironed, ready. I mean, and we, all good things, all good things. And we sacrifice or compromise the joy in the journey because we can't do it all at the same time. That's mm-hmm. the facts of the matter. And I think that there are some people in don't, we're not trying to say, Hey, s- screw order. And no, be messy. not at all. We're not. And if that's your, if that's what you're taking away, you're missing it. What we are, if you're able to keep things orderly and clean and enjoy the journey and impact people's lives and give make back a difference to your and give back. But giving back, I want to push back on those that are so freaking fixated on order, money, bank accounts, being put together and not doing shit to give back to people. Wake up mm-hmm. because you're missing it. Because when you actually stand before your maker one day, he's going to go, you know what? Depart from me. I did not know you. But he's going to look at somebody like my Aunt Christy, who the world would say she ended up drunk and all of these things. And she walked straight into the gates of heaven Mm -hmm. and was known by God because her heart was to love people, love her kids, love her husband, love those around, sacrifice whatever she had. Imperfectly. Yep brokenly that's not even a word Mm -hmm. I know that after watching that you know the second third time I made a pledge to myself that we got to do this different because being a young mom and a young wife I'm thinking and who who honestly this is not a joke like I my mind is not wired in the household realm Like it's so hard for me that you guys might be laughing and you might think this is a cop out, but I'm just being a hundred percent transparent here. I don't think, okay, like everyone knows there's breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. I never think about it. It's like seven o'clock at night and everyone's like, what are we going to do for dinner? And I'm like, that's a really good question. What do we have in the cupboards? I'm not wired as a housewife. I don't it doesn't make my radar. I have to set alarms. I have to like think ahead. I have to have people go pick stuff up for me at the store if I'm working and it's going to close early, you know, like there, it, it's just not me. That's not how I'm programmed, but to try to be good at that when you're not good at that and be a young mom and young wife, and then put all this effort into something that you feel like it's not who God created you to be. And 
I, there came a time when I was like, okay, there's a difference between things that have to get done, like feeding your children. You don't get to just say like, oh, I wasn't created to know about dinner time, so I'm not making my kids dinner. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, is that I had to embrace that I'm not natural at it. But then I had to be okay with accepting the things that I am natural at and being okay not being what the world would say is like a good housewife. Yeah. You know, how many times did you wake up and you're like, do we have clean underwear? And I'm like, that's a really good question. Um, (laughs) One I will find out in about 20 minutes. Give me a minute. It drove me crazy for a long time, like eight years. As long as we had a crib in our house, which was probably eight years, the crib was never (laughs) for kids. It was always for laundry. (laughs) Clean laundry. That's where that shit goes. (laughs) And I remember like every morning I'd be getting up at like 530 or something like that. I'm like digging through this. Crib. And I'm like, and when I was younger, I was not, I mean, to me, I wish I would be, I would have been different, honestly. Because I was like. It's okay, though, because it was part of the journey. It, I mean, it, it <laughs> really was. Do you know was. where any underwear are? No. Do you know where any underwear are? And I'm like, and Amy's like, oh. I'm like, jeez. All right. And I remember one time you handed me a pair of your Victoria's Secret underwear. Well, they were the maternity ones, so they were like. <laughs> Looked like men's so um, bikini yeah. brief And so type. I'm like, well, shit, I'm not going to put on those underwear because they're not clean. And so I'm like, and I'm definitely not freeballing today. So let's put these underwear on. So I put them on. Mm-hmm. And I'm, as I think this happened once or twice in 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. So I put them on and I go to the store and I'm like working down on a low shelf. Mm-hmm. And I'm like putting something up. And I think I somehow or another my... My shirt. shirt rode up. Well, it was because your apron, the tie on your apron, like yeah, bunched like up your shirt. It, yeah. So, and somebody's like walking by and said, "Are you wearing Victoria's <laughs> Secret underwear?" There was like fringes and little lace across the top, and I was like, "Oh my!" It was so funny, so funny. But you were so embarrassed. I was embarrassed. Hell yes, but you I was like, embarrassed. <laughs> my damn wife can't wash the laundry. Well, and in my mind, a little bit, I will have to admit that there was a little part of me that was like. Really? This is your job. This is what you do. And and I, I needed, and that had to change and truly did change in, in my heart of hearts. Like I, I do think that there's certain stigmas that are placed upon women and men, people in general, that it's like, this is the woman's job. The woman does the dishes and the man takes out the trash. And I'm kind of teasing our office manager slash very, very, very close friend, uh, Tara, she says that all the time. Like mm-hmm. she does the dishes. Scott, her husband, cannot do the dishes, but he can take. But she can't get her nails dirty. <laughs> well, she's not gonna take out the trash. Like okay, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. Not a thing, princess. So <laughs> oh. there's stigmas though that get placed on men and women, and and that was one that was placed on Amy. And what she did is she lived a good part of our first decade of marriage feeling like a failure. Mm-hmm feeling like a failure. And that failure kind of kept her at a place where she was not depressed, but it was like not in her groove, not finding her call, not making her life count, not living in joy, being much more miserable because she was a square peg trying to fit into a round womanly hole. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that is not like that in that sense, according to the world standard, Amy is broken in the sense that she doesn't think like a typical housewife. But guess what? I don't want one. I thought I might. I mean, clean underwear would be freaking cool. Mm-hmm. 
Now she just buys more. Dinner. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the truth is that, you know, embracing that brokenness and moving forward is critical. And thinking back on the moments with watching Aunt Christy and Uncle Todd's life and their journey, I used to think it was a shit show. Mm-hmm. It said Freedom Farms <clears throat> when you pull into their, their farm. And I used to think it was a crazy farm. And, and then I got a little bit older and thought, man, they know it. They have the secret. Mm-hmm. They've got they it. the secret sauce. And I, I genuinely, around that same time as Amy, made a pivot and put a stake in the ground as well and said, you know what? That's what I want. And I believe our kids were pretty young then, like mm-hmm. six, seven, eight years old. Maybe Bradley. Yeah, Bradley would have been about eight. And we did drive a stake in the ground then. And we yep. shifted. Mm-hmm. And our kids experienced a different mom and dad. Um, our our house, our legacy, the thing that we've built, the thing that we still stand on, is something that I'm genuinely proud of mm-hmm. with them, for our kids, for those that are around us and are looking on our lives. You know, I'll say this truly, Amy is the aunt that the kids want to be around. You know, and I'm meaning like our nieces and nephews. She's fun and she's energetic and she's like they know they're going to get something crazy when they hang out with aunt amy and um she's always said that i'm your real mom and whoever you they say is your mom is not your mom because i'm your real mom so you call me real mom call them fake mom and (laughs) that used to drive some of the in-laws a little crazy i think but i think Mm -hmm. they got used to it because it's just all become fun and games and very critical very important to enjoy the journey Mm -hmm. to live in the broken mess if you're going to build a house that lasts, embrace the brokenness. Mm-hmm. There's a brilliance in a broken legacy. I'm grateful for the broken people that went before me, not just mom and dad, but grandparents, Grandpa Larry, Sharon, Mm -hmm. Marie and Leonard Hanning, (laughs) Betty James, broken people. They paved a way, though. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know where to go from here. I think where we go is we believe with all of our hearts that you've been put on this earth to partner with a living God who loves you, who wants to be in the details of your life, who wants to walk with you on the journey, who wants you to just trust him and depend on him and not lean on your own understanding, not lean on your own expertise, your own gifts, talents, and abilities. You were given those things as a gift And 
I believe with all my heart that that you can, your story, whatever it is that you're struggling with right now, and I can tell you, we could have just made this whole podcast on our current struggles, but those struggles refine you. And if you can learn to embrace the struggle and move forward and to do the best you can with what you have where you are, and some punk-ass pastor that used to partner with us, <laughs> yes, I just said that, he tried to mock us with that like a year ago and put out a social media post and yeah, even in the pastoral world, there's broke ass punks. Mm -hmm. So, but being real, that is a statement that Theodore Roosevelt, I believe, said: "Do what you can with where you, where what you have, what you have, where you are." Mm -hmm. And that means you live in the moment. And it means you always have something to give. Yep. You always have room to bring the little boy down the street to your table and. And there's enough dinner for him too. Yep. There's always room to give. Always. And if you can do that, you can embrace where you are in your mess. And you can invite presence, the, you know, knowing that you were created, knowing that there's a purpose for your life, knowing that you're also meant to be a leader. And it doesn't, every single person on this planet's a leader or meant to be. I'm looking out across this little river and there's a young man, not even young, he's like 30, who lives out there and he's homeless and he's sitting out there and it's weird because he's got a kid and he's got gifts and talents and abilities and he's just checked out a life, mm -hmm. right? And some people just check out a life and they just do their own thing and make it about them. But that young man is a leader and he's supposed to be leading a, a child. He's supposed to be, and, and I'm praying, hoping that each one of us, no matter what our circumstances are, are our thing that we would do is not retreat from the problem or retreat from the mess and go put it all together and live in a fake world. It's critical that we step into the obstacles and the things that are in front of us and we allow them to be sorted out so that we can move forward and be refined by what it is that's coming against us. Mm -hmm. that's, what, that's what this life's about. That's how Jesus modeled it. That's what we do. And so... Embrace the brokenness. If you're going to build a house that lasts, embrace the brokenness. Quit complaining about the problems. Quit grumbling about your circumstances. Quit saying, if this, then that. If we could just get this finished, we, we oh, uh, life will be great. If yeah. we could just get this bonus, then we could take a vacation. Yeah. If we could just do this, then we could go on a camping trip. No, go on a camping yeah. trip in your backyard with your kids. If You'd I be surprised how much they love that. Yeah, that's for sure. If I went to sprain my ankle back in high school when I was a freshman and I had great potential to go, you know, play, mm -hmm. you know, college sports and probably professional, but I sprained my ankle that one time that scout came there. It's like, what the hell? Yeah. I have an idea. Why Stop don't you that. go coach the little AYSO kids over there and yeah. put, pour some love into them? Yeah, exactly. Because there, you know, there's a way that seems right to a man, it says, but the end of that way is not always life. Sometimes it's death. You can think you're going the right way and not be heading the right way. And I'm telling you right now, if you're trying to keep it all together and make life look perfect, but truly you're broken and you're not embracing the brokenness, you'll end up with regret and misery. Mm -hmm. And so stop where you are right now, embrace the brokenness and move forward. And God will do incredible things in your life and in your family. And mm -hmm. you will build something very much like Tag and Robin have done. And that's what we've been talking about, this house that we've purchased from the family. It's a beautiful place, but it, it took sacrifice and dreams and is not even yet finished after 20-something years. Mm -hmm. Maybe it'll get finished someday, but if it doesn't, who cares? Mm-hmm. 
We believe in you guys. You can do this if you aren't already. Find a space and really reflect on what matters to you and reflect on what it is that you need to shift. Maybe think about what it is if you have a, a spouse or a partner that you need to, like Neil and I did after watching the video of Aunt Chris and Uncle Todd, what, what do you want to be remembered for? Right now in the journey and in the destination. You have to know both. At least, you know, they don't have to be concreted in, but you definitely need to know where you're going, where your, your ship's set and sail to, but in the meantime, there's a lot that you cannot control on your way to your destination. And you have to be okay with knowing that the waters are going to get rough. There's going to be some days when it's so nice, we're not going to push it. We're going to get the pina coladas and lay out and get a suntan because that's what's called for today. Whatever it is, you've got to be ready to be agile and absorb what it is that the right thing to do in that day is and not be pushing it and straining and the complexity of life wearing you down and making you miserable. Not cool. So thank you for tuning in. If you found this enjoyable, helpful, comical, tell your friends, your family, parents, whatever. And uh, share, like, comment. We love to hear feedback. Uh, we have Facebook, Instagram, and then the blog as well. So we'd love to hear your comments, your thoughts. Um, if you ever think of something that you'd like to hear us talk about, go ahead and email us or reach out and message us on that too because we love hearing what you're thinking about. All righty. Well, like Find my nanny call. always said. Find your call. Make life count. Life's too short. Oh, that's right. To live miserable, and it mm -hmm. should be enjoyed. That's right. Nanny didn't say that, though. No, we did. you did. But she always used to say, and why, I just watched Nanny's bird. Yeah, right, fly right up, up river. river. Just a mm -hmm. second ago. She'd say bye-bye for now. Mm. Love you guys.